the Sunday school class. He's got one more session he's going to do in 1 Thessalonians. But before that, he did Paul's letter to the Colossians. Well, when the, the letter to the Colossians and the letter to Philemon and the letter to the Ephesians and the Philippians were all written, they're called the prison epistles. Because when you read the book of Acts, how does the book of Acts end? Where is Paul as the book of Acts ends? He is under house arrest in Rome. And he wrote those letters while under house arrest in Rome. So that's why they're called the prison epistles. Mysteriously, he also wrote 1 and 2 Thess Timothy and Titus while in prison. But that was the next imprisonment when he was in the deep, dark dungeon. The first imprisonment, he's under house arrest. He basically can, anybody who wants to come to the house that he's renting can. He's chained, you know, they're taking turns, the Praetorian Guard. You talk about a wise God. Let's see. I want to get the gospel into the upper echelon elites of Roman culture. So I think that what I will do, the Praetorian Guard, who were these guys? They were the sons of the wealthiest, most powerful men in Roman culture. That's who they were. The Praetorian, they were based right there in Rome. Their principal job is to protect the emperor. And they're being assigned to take turns being chained to, a hand, you know, a cuff on Paul's hand, cuff on their hand, with a, on their wrist, with a chain in between. They're chained to the Apostle Paul. What do you think they're going to hear about? Well, what one of those prison epistles, Philipp, Philippians, Paul says, oh, by the way, the members of Caesar's household send you greetings. Not only was Paul leading these members of the Praetorian Guard to Christ, it had even crept into Caesar's own house. And in fact, Nero had his own mother murdered right in front of his throne because she had become a Christian. Are there any closed doors to our Lord? There are no closed doors. Well, Paul is in that imprisonment, as we see at the close of the book of Acts, under house arrest, and he sends these letters. Well, one of the briefest letter was this letter to, the Phile to Philemon, who was a member of the church at Colossae. So the fellow who brought the letter to the Colossians also had this other letter but it was not only for Philemon, it was actually read to the congregation. And what we're going to see, the things that Paul says to the Ephesians about what God does in people's lives and his letter to the Colossians and to the Philippians, we're going to see it all personalized in this fellow Philemon. Now, what's the situation? Paul is under house arrest in Rome. But anybody who wants to come and visit him can come and visit him. Well, back there in Colossae, which is in what is modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, there was a fellow Philemon who was a very wealthy man. And he had a slave, a man who was legally bound to him by the name of Onesimus, by the way, the name Onesimus means profitable or useful, but he wasn't. And Onesimus 
fled. He ran away. He was a runaway slave. But where did he run? He ran to Rome. And when he got to Rome, who did he seek out? Paul couldn't walk out of that, so far as we know, he couldn't walk out of that house arrest situation and walk around town so that, oh, hey, who's that? That's, that's Onesimus. I, no, Onesimus had to go there seeking Paul. And Paul will say in this letter, while in my chains here, I fathered Onesimus. God used me to bring him into the kingdom. He's my spiritual child. So the runaway worthless slave, whose name means profitable, but he's unprofitable, he's come to Rome. He seeks out the, well, why would he seek out the apostle Paul? Well, he may actually have had personal contact with him because Paul had ministered to Philemon. In fact, we're going to see in this letter is very strong possibility that Philemon himself was led into the kingdom by the apostle Paul. So he's had some sort of exposure either with Paul directly or influence from his now former master, except legally still his master Philemon, that causes him to seek out the Apostle Paul. And what happens? The Apostle Paul leads Mr. Worthless into being Mr. Very, very, very worthwhile. Very worthwhile. And we're going to see in this letter the Apostle Paul placed an expectation on, in, on Philemon that's pretty strong. But it's an expectation that the Apostle Paul is confident Philemon will live up to because he knows Philemon. He knows what he's made out of. He's seen the fruit coming out of Philemon's life. And so he is going to place an expectation on him that is really pretty strong. Let's read this letter. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you. Now we're going to see in verse 7, he's speaking to Philemon. Not just to the congregation, but the congregation is reading this letter over the shoulder of Philemon. But it's, the you is Philemon. I thank my God, making mention of you, Philemon, in my prayers, hearing of your love. I've heard of your love. And faith, and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may be effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, or better, us, in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, 
I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was the not Onesimus, the unprofitable to you, but now is profitable, a true Onesimus to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention, not to, mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I will be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, something I struggled with as I was studying this letter is Paul. Was it really fair to send this letter along with the letter to the Colossians so that it was delivered into the hands not immediately of Philemon, but of Archippus? The, the church met in, apparently, the home of Archippus. Apphia, mentioned in verse 2, is his wife. Apphia, Archippus, and Philemon met with the congregation there in that home. And so here is the letter to the Colossians. It's going to be, but also, here is the letter handed to Archippus that's meant for Philemon, and it's meant to be read. Well, it's part of our New Testaments, isn't it? It was meant to be read by the entire congregation. You know, I, I can see in your letter, Paul, that you're saying this is voluntary, but you're sure putting an awful lot of pressure on this guy. Why do you think Paul felt that was wise? I'll give you a reason. He knew Philemon. He knew the spirit that Philemon would receive this letter in because he knew Philemon. 
And so he placed before Philemon what expectation. We see two men in this letter. Paul is acting like Christ. Put to his account, to my account, whatever, he's, he, whatever he stole from you. Whatever losses come to you because he was not there to give the labor he owed to you. Whatever losses come to you by his fleeing, you put that on my account. Who else is? Oh, yes, there was that fellow Jesus who, when he was nailed to the cross, had all of the sin debt of the entire human race from Adam to the end placed upon him and paid the debt. He was judged in our place paying our legal debt before a holy God and he paid it off and he was able to say it is finished it is paid in full that's why a holy God is so free to be able to offer us forgiveness why Jesus paid the bill we probably some of you have seen these little episodes where people you know are sitting in a restaurant especially military or police and they go up to pay the, their bill and the person at the cash register says, oh, you don't need to pay. It's the fellow who walked out of here five minutes paid for your lunch or your dinner or your breakfast. Wow, how wonderful is that? Well, Jesus paid our sin debt. And what do the police or the military people have to do? They just say, oh, thank you. Now, they're generally talking to the cashier and But that's what Jesus did. How do I step into the benefit of what Jesus did for me on the cross? I lift my eyes to Jesus, to heaven, and I say, thank you. I truly do want the benefit. I truly do want the forgiveness and the eternal life that you promised. What's the second most famous verse in the Bible? After judge not that you be not judged, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the heir of all things, that whoever believes in him, holds out an empty hand, should not perish. Perishing, condemnation is removed from their future. It's gone. The condemnation that awaited them is gone. It's, it's taken out. And receive instead eternal life, an eternal welcome with the Holy God. Paul says to Philemon, whatever cost there was to you because of the fleeing of Onesimus and whatever stuff he stole from you, perhaps, you put that on my account. I'll pay you back. But we also see him asking of Philemon that he also act like Christ. What did Jesus say from the cross? Already quoted it. Father, forgive them. Who's, what's happening at the moment he says that? Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, are standing at the foot of his cross. Blaspheming. He saved others himself he cannot save. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, they, what did they know? <coughs> they knew he was the Son of God. They knew he was the Messiah. Don't get it. Don't be mistaken that they didn't know who he was. They knew exactly who he was. 
What didn't they know? They actually thought they were going to get away with it. They actually thought they could get away with it. Isn't that how stupid we all are? Until Jesus makes the point, no, there is an accounting, and it was you'll either accept the accounting that was done for you on the cross, or you will pay the bill yourself. With an eternity in the lake of fire, an eternity, because it's a bill you will never be able to pay off. But my son paid it off. Won't you welcome that? Paul is expecting, he, Paul is not only modeling Christ, he is asking Philemon to be Christ and write it off. Write it off. Forgive them. Father, forgive them. He's asking Philemon to simply forgive. And he knows he can do this with Philemon in front of those people because what does Paul know? Paul knows Philemon is going to do it in front of that congregation, and they're going to stand there. He did it. How unfair that <coughs> Paul would ask this man to just forfeit this. How fair was God the Father to God the Son when he sent him to the cross? That wasn't fair, but the merciful God and the merciful Son, the Son who loved us just as much as the Father loved us, he, he embraced the cross. He willingly did what the Father sent him to do. Did he want to do it? Father, if it be possible, pass this cup from nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he went to the cross and embraced the cross to benefit us and bring praise to his Father. Spiritually, humanly speaking, who is Philemon's father? Paul. He's asking for the same kind of sacrifice from Philemon on a very much lower scale, to say the least, that God the Father asked of God the Son. Let me read through the passage again as we lay hold of the dynamic of what is going on. And so this is read in front of the Colossian congregation in the house church meet, meeting in the home of Archippus. By the way, first century, they didn't have churches on street corners. They met in homes. Verse 4, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Philemon is on Paul's prayer list. What impels me to further prayer for you? Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. By the way, love, faith, Lord Jesus, saints. Let me give you something that will help you out in studying the New Testament. In the first century Roman world, Greek world, it was really a Greek culture. If we're going to outline something and, you know, and address the things that uh, we will go A, B, C, D, E, problem A, problem B, problem C, problem D, problem E. And then we will go back and do A, B, C, D, E, solution A to solution to problem A, solution to problem B. That's not how they did it in the first century. 
they wanted, it was a memorization culture, they would actually change that. They would go, yes, they would go up like a pyramid. They did this to visualize it because they're going to memorize this. Problem A, problem B, problem C, problem D, solution to problem E, solution to problem D, solution to problem C, solution to problem B, solution to problem A. So they could picture this and make the straight across comparison. What does he say? Hearing of your love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Well, he doesn't have faith toward the saints. He has love towards the saints. The love is attached to the saints, and the faith is attached to the Lord Jesus. Now, he certainly loves the Lord Jesus, but that's the way a first century reader would have read it. Just got, I mean, to them, that would have just been natural. It wouldn't have required explanation I just gave you. Hearing of the love that you have for the saints and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus. That the sharing of your faith may be effective. And the word we translate sharing is, you're gonna, you've heard this word before, it's a Greek, koinonia. The fellowship of your faith may become effective according, or sharing of your faith may become effective according to the acknowledgement, by the acknowledgement of every good thing, which is in you, or better, in us, the vast majority manage in Christ Jesus. What's Paul talking about? What does Paul talk about in Ephesians? What does he talk about in Colossians? What does he say? You are in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The moment you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. <coughs> and as you listen to the Holy Spirit, as you open his word, you will be instructed and instructed and instructed and instructed. And you will begin to get a new orientation. You'll see the environment you're in as it really is. And you'll learn how to navigate by the help of God's Holy Spirit, by the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the loyalty of the Father in this world. And so, Philemon, I know that you are an in Christ man. I know, Philemon, that you know how to walk in Christ. I know you know how. You've exhibited, to every, exhibited it to everyone around you. You are a new creature in Christ because you <coughs> abandon your old mode of life that you had when you were a pagan and you stepped into a new mode of life as someone who is not in Satan or the world or the flesh anymore, but you're in Christ. You're animated by God the Holy Spirit. I trust in that. I know that's the truth about you. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in us, in Christ Jesus. You know that every good thing any Christian anywhere does is because Jesus is doing it through to them and through them. For we have great joy and consolation in your love. We hear of your acts of love. And boy, does that ever energize us when we hear of it in Rome. Joy and consolation, comfort, fortification comes to us. Amen, yay. 
What happens to us when we hear of some Christian who walked in loyalty to Jesus and saw and exhibited, put on display Jesus? Those Coptic Christians who were forced to kneel down on the shore in Libya and be decapitated. Let me tell you something, folks. That wasn't a defeat. That was a victory. That energizes God's people. It doesn't discourage God's people. It energizes us because we see men who were loyal to Jesus and chose death. And what does Jesus promise the church at Smyrna, the second there in Revelation chapter 2? If you are faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. And awaiting every one of those men as they step into the presence of Jesus, here's your crown, here's your crown, here's your crown. And it was a crown that made up for any loss by far that they had, had ever experienced. For we have great joy and consolation, comfort in your love. We hear what kind of a man you are. Because the hearts of the saints had been refreshed by you, Philemon, brother. We hear of the, the service you do. This is a man of wealth who serves others. What was the response of the apostles in the upper room when Jesus knelt down and washed their feet? Every single one of those men was shocked. He got all the way around the table, probably number six or seven of having his feet washed was Peter and nobody said a word. They're just in dumbfounded and shocked. And finally Peter says, you're not gonna wash my feet. Stop embarrassing yourself. You're too worthy to do this. If I do not wash you, you have no well, then, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. No, <laughs> Peter, your feet. If I wash your feet, you've already taken a bath. I'll wash your feet. Philemon was a foot washer. By the way, as this house church would have assembled every Lord's Day, they would have been washing one another. would have been some men perhaps women at the door washing feet as they entered. That was standard operating procedure in that culture. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, I am an apostle. I have the authority. I'm not going to exercise that authority. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, who am I that's appealing to you? Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. A man who is Philemon, like you. Do you think that Philemon would have allowed himself to be bound because he was loyal to Jesus? I would dare say yes. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, the one whose very name means profitable or useful, whom I have begotten while in chains, who sought me out in Rome to hear more of what he had heard while under your care in Colossae, and he came into the kingdom. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. 
He's profitable to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. My heart goes with him, with Onesimus. Whom I wished to keep with me. I really wanted, he was useful to me here. I wanted to keep him with me, but I, that wouldn't have been right. I wished to keep him with me that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, but as it were, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. That slave of mine, he stole some stuff and fled. And now he's come back. By the way, isn't that a great act on the part of Onesimus? Onesimus is here. I mean, walking in with the letter carrier is Onesimus. And I would dare say Philemon is like, what's he doing here? My slave who fled. The master could, slaves had absolutely no legal standing at all. They were just as if they were your goat or sheep. You could literally take them out on the sidewalk and cut their throat in front of a crowd, and the law would not touch you. He had absolute authority to do whatever he wanted to his possession. <coughs> there was no, and so for Onesimus, this could be a life-threatening event. It could be, it could take, legally, he could lose his life. Now, he has, I would dare say, the same confidence that Paul has. But he's come back. He is putting himself in, he is in legal jeopardy unless Philemon removes it. And Paul has sent his own heart, Onesimus, back to Philemon, who has absolute legal authority to take his life if he wants to. Thank you for the question, by the way. That's an important point. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. You know, what, you know what's going on right now today? Right now, as we're... Pre Philemon and Onesimus are up there hanging around in heaven before the throne of God, really having a good time. And they will forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He can, we can both revel in this unprofitable, now profitable man being in the kingdom and welcomed by Jesus Christ. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account, just as Jesus on the cross allowed the 
sin debt of the human race to be placed on his shoulders. So Paul is saying to Philemon, whatever debt, if you want to impose a debt, if you want to exact retribution, if you want to exact payback, I'll do the paying back. Put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. You know, most of the letters Paul wrote were dictated to an immense Uensis, a secretary who was writing that. Now he's writing this with his own hand. I'm writing th with my own hand, I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides, which t suggests to us what? Paul may have himself been the evangelist who led Philemon into the kingdom. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Will you refresh my heart as I hear of what you do in serving your slave? What does Christianity do? It turns the world upside down. What was the accusation made against Paul in Ephesus? These are the people who have turned the world upside down. Well, I'll say they did. I'll say they did. Forgiveness isn't native to the human race. It sure wasn't native in the Roman world where they crucified you if you looked cross-eyed at the emperor. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you. I know I can trust you to do what I'm asking. Knowing that you will do even more than I say. <sighs> to whom much is given, much is required. Those who are forgiven much, love much. When we grasp by the help of God, you know God's really kind. One of the great kindnesses of God is he doesn't really let us see what we look like to him. It would wipe us out. It would wipe us out. He's too kind. You will do even more than I say. I know what heart you have, Philemon. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I've been praying for you, Philemon. I know you've been praying for me as well. Through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you. I would dare say these are all no men known by Philemon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, nephew of Barnabas, Aristarchus, Demas, by the way, who would later betray Christ, Luke, the author of both the Gospel and the Book of Acts, my fellow laborers, that's what they are, 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's not just slide by that. It sounds like religious boilerplate, but it's not. The grace, the enablement to do what you otherwise can't do, that comes only from our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. Amen. Because I can tell you what happened. As the message carrier carrying the Colossian letter and the letter for Philemon walked in the door and Onesimus came in with him. What's happening with Philemon? He is seeing Onesimus walk the unbelieving, worthless slave who stole stuff from him and fled all of a sudden walks into the house of, house of Archippus where the congregation is meeting and it's what's Satan trying to do to the heart and soul of Philemon? Look at him. You need to rise up and... But because Philemon knows how to walk in the spirit, how to be an in Christ man and not walk in his flesh or being incited by the devil, he instead walks in the spirit, which means he walks like Jesus. But he had to fight that battle instantly as Onesimus walked in. Why do I say that? How do I know that? Because that's how it is for every single member of the human race. That's how it is. But if you're in Christ, if you know how to walk in his grace and his provision, you can succeed. And what happens with that congregation? They watch by this drama being played out between Philemon and Onesimus. And when several minutes have passed, they are watching Philemon throw his arms around his worthless, now profitable slave and releasing him to return to Rome to serve with Paul. And they're watching Philemon act like an in Christ man. That is such a powerful lesson that was set up by God the Holy Spirit for the Colossian congregation. What a lesson. Now I know what it looks like to be an in Christ man. Thank you, God. How powerful is that? Lord Jesus, we just read words. We accompanied those words with explanation and filling in the picture of what it would look like and what Paul was like and what Philemon was like and what Onesimus was like. But Lord, it all feeds us to this one lesson. May we, like Paul, like Philemon, and Lord willing, like Onesimus, be in Christ men and women. Walking according to your promises your direction, and the strength of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We don't have to act like our old selves. Instead, we can stun, amaze even ourselves, as well as whoever is watching around us, that when we actually act like Jesus. Lord, don't let us forget what the Holy Spirit just said to us. 
One of the great things about Bob Barrett's Sunday school classes, he talked about a time when the whole, he and the whole congregation were up on a mountaintop, and he just said, folks, go aside, spend an hour and a half or two hours just listening to Jesus. Let him speak to you. And the praise meeting afterwards was outrageous. Why? Because they listened. May we, too, be hearers, listeners, and be altered, be changed by what you just said to us. We ask this of you. It's not going to happen if it's generated from us. It must come from you. We're asking that you would drive this lesson home. Before this day is out, dare we say, let us each be treated in an unjust way so that we can act like Jesus in response. Well, maybe that's what we're praying for. But we ask that most of all you would drive us into your likeness. We ask this of you, mighty King Jesus, and all God's people said,